Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Hey friends, it's Andy. This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, March 22nd, and I'm going to talk about the, (laughs) I guess, uh, false start on the indictment process for Trump, which of course hasn't happened, and his supporters' reaction to the fact that it didn't happen. And I'm also going to talk about how Donald Trump may be in a lot more peril than anybody has realized at this point. And I want to talk about the lack of ethics and oversight among our government entities. So if any of these things sound like they might be of interest to you, stay tuned. Coming up. Episode 130. Republicans are exhausting. So, Tuesday has come and gone and no Trump indictment. What the heck happened? Donald Trump posted on his Trump social, true social, Nazi social, whatever the heck you want to call it, that he was going to be indicted on Tuesday. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, when somebody says, let's have lunch, on Tuesday, and it's a couple of days before Tuesday, I assume they're talking about the next Tuesday coming up on the calendar, right? Apparently not with Trump. Uh, If you are thinking about doing it a week from Tuesday, you would say, yeah, I'm going to get indicted a week from this Tuesday, or I'm going to get indicted two weeks from Tuesday, or a month from Tuesday. But he just said Tuesday. So there's more than a few Tuesdays in a calendar year. I don't know which one he's speaking of. But it didn't happen. And even though he kind of encouraged his supporters to show up and protest his indictment, there wasn't much going on. I saw a handful of people down in Florida in the Orlando area at the lakes, which is a, I guess you could call it a retirement community. Uh, It's not really, it's for older people, retirees, I guess, and uh, mostly Republican. And there was a group of them on the corner holding Trump signs and things like that, but not a lot. There were some folks in front of Trump Tower. I think just a couple, not more than two or three or four. I did see that there were some people in front of Trump Tower for a while with signs that said to arrest him now or whatever. Uh, Obviously not the kind of protest that he had in mind. And there were more of those than there were of Trump supporters. So I don't think that turned out the way he wanted it to. And considering the fact that he is being investigated, I would assume, for inciting the domestic terrorist attack on January 6th of 2021, I would think he would be really, really careful about encouraging people to do anything at all like that again. 
but apparently he's not smart enough to figure that out. Or he still thinks he's above the law. I guess we'll see, huh? What kind of surprised me, though, is the fact that his supporters, after being lied to once again, yet again, don't seem to have much to say about it. It's kind of like, hmm, oh, hum. It's almost as if they expect him to lie, which kind of makes you wonder why in the world they're supporters. And I thought, why is he doing this? Did somebody give him bad information, or is he just a drama queen for attention, and he feels like maybe he's not getting enough attention in the news lately? Uh, Ron DeFascist, the uh, Nazi governor in Florida, has been getting a lot of attention, or, or more attention, because of all of his hateful fascist policies that he's forcing on the people of Florida who will probably live to regret supporting him down the road after he finishes taking more of their rights away from them with a smile on his face. Well, a little bit of a smile. He, he doesn't really have the personality for much of a smile. Um, but I kind of wondered what was going on with that. And then I came across some interesting information. You know, Trump formed a, I don't know, what was it, Save the Country or Stop the Steal or some kind of a political action committee, basically a slush fund for his personal use uh, right after he left office. And he's been sending out emails and things like that periodically asking for money so that people can help him fight this horrible thing, you know, this big witch hunt. Everybody's always picking on poor Donald Trump, who's never done anything wrong in his life. He's just worked hard to try to help people, tried to help the American people because he loves his country so much and he's a good Christian man. Can't imagine why anybody would not like him. He obviously lives in a fantasy world because that isn't the Donald Trump that I've ever seen, and I would imagine most people would agree with that. But I figured out what was going on. He's been spending money out of this slush fund, which really is not accountable to anybody. I guess there's some accountability, but it's not like it's a, a fund for like when you're running for office. When you've announced that you're running for office, you have to operate under federal election rules and laws and standards, which prior to that, prior to announcing that he was running, he didn't really have to do that. But apparently his funds got down to a measly $25 million. He had over $100 million in that um slush fund, whatever you want to call it, uh, and it had dwindled down to $25 million, and he still has all of these legal costs, and he needed money. So what do you do? Well, you send out emails asking for money, send them out to people maybe that you haven't contacted recently. I know someone who signed up years ago at donaldtrump.com just to kind of keep an eye on, you know, what was going on. And he said that he had not received anything from Trump in a while. But in the last uh, week or so, he got another email from them. And of course, they were asking for money because that's all Trump really cares about is money and power and admiration, of course but mostly money because he has to support himself in the lifestyle that he feels is appropriate for himself. And no doubt a bunch of his supporters dug into their bank accounts, even though according to the Republicans in Congress, everybody's having a really difficult time paying their 
grocery bills and their utility bills and all of that. But yeah, they're not going to do anything to help them pay any of those bills because they're too busy investigating the people who are investigating them. That's the Republicans for their own crimes. <laughs> so anyway, Donald Trump has probably had a lot of money come in because of this little stunt that he pulled. The latest that I've heard now is that it will likely happen sometime next week, but nobody really knows for certain because there's really not been anything official other than the fact that it has been acknowledged that the Manhattan District Attorney's Office invited Trump to come and meet with the grand jury. We know for a fact that that did indeed happen. And that is typically one of the very last things that the Manhattan DA would do prior to charging someone with a crime or indicting someone. So it's possible that they are in the process of working out arrangements right now. It's my understanding that the Manhattan DA would contact Trump's attorneys and make an arrangement with them for a particular time for him to turn himself in. And that will have to be coordinated with Trump's Secret Service detail as well. Now, I did see that Trump apparently has said that he wants everybody to see him walk down the corridor in handcuffs. I think that that's probably just to rile up his supporters more, get them to dig into their bank accounts yet again and come up with a little bit more money for him. So anyway, but he's certainly in the news. Everybody's talking about him again, and he loves that. So he's getting what he wants. And... Um, you know, just be interesting to see what's going on. But apparently the, the grand jury in Manhattan that has been receiving all of the evidence and, and testimony in this Trump case was not, did not meet yesterday and it's not meeting today. So I don't know if that means they're coming in on Thursday or Friday or, or, or what. So, um, there is someone in New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office that kind of hinted that there was a possibility, uh, apparently this was to someone's attorney, that uh, um, one of the witnesses that appeared in the last 24 hours before the grand jury might need to provide additional testimony. And this is in the hush money probe with Stormy Daniels, of course. So it's possible that the grand jury may not be meeting because this witness is not available until maybe Thursday or Friday. So they gave him the day, a couple of days off. So anyway, uh, the expectations are still pretty high that Alvin Bragg, who's the New York district attorney, will indeed um, indict Donald Trump at some point in the near future. I have noticed that Republicans are trying to compare this Donald Trump Stormy Daniels payoff thing with the Bill Clinton payoff thing with one of the women that he apparently had an affair with uh, back when he was, I think, the governor of Arkansas. Some of them have been kind of confused because the only incident that I know of when Donald, when, I'm sorry, when Bill Clinton was actually president 
was he had the little affair with Monica Lewinsky. Okay. She was a staffer, I guess. And she obviously knew that Clinton was married and they had a brief affair. Doesn't sound to me like they actually had like full-on sexual intercourse. It was more like foreplay, I guess. I don't know. I didn't really listen to all of the details about it, but the money that exchanged hands had nothing to do with Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky wasn't threatening to go to uh, the authorities or go to the Republicans to try to trash his reputation or anything like that. She was having a discussion about Clinton with uh, a friend of hers. And I think, what was her name? Linda Tripp? Is that her name? I think it was Linda Tripp who started flapping her mouth. And that's kind of how it came out. And what got, what caused, I've got to stop saying got. I think got, but it's not what I want to say. Anyway, (laughs) what caused Clinton, the problem was that he lied to Congress when they were asking him about this affair and everything, which he shouldn't have lied. He should have told them it was none of their damn business. And of course, at the time that the questioning and all of these investigations were going on, uh, let's see, Newt Gingrich, who was one of the top Republicans at the time, was cheating on his wife. Same time. I'm Pretty sure Bill Clinton probably could have found out about it and said, hey, Newt, (laughs) you want to talk about cheating on your wife? Isn't she in the hospital right now being treated for cancer and you're cheating on her and you're going to ask her for a divorce if she recovers? Yeah, what a nice guy you are. Yeah. And I think Ken Starr was fooling around too. Ken Starr was kind of the head of the investigation, you know. Anyway, uh, I'll say it again. Bill and Hillary Clinton, as of right now, are still married. So at least they kept their oath to one another, even though maybe there have been some uh, infidelities, I don't know, maybe on both sides. And maybe that's okay with them, but they have stayed married And that is more than you can say for Newt Gingrich. And that's more than you can say for Donald Trump, certainly. But the difference is Donald Trump paid Stormy Daniels so that she would not talk about their affair right before the election and mess up his chances of winning. And I guess it would have been one thing if he had just paid her out of his personal account, but it came out of like a Trump organization account. And that is, that's a problem. And they lied about it. They lied about it. So it's not really the same thing because the money that Bill, Bill Clinton paid to, I think her name was Paula. Uh, she Paula Jones, I think, and she was she lived in Arkansas, and I think that happened when he was the governor of Arkansas. Uh, that was a different deal, and he wasn't paying her to keep her quiet, basically. Anyway, uh, they but they made arrangements and worked it out, and she got some money and. And so, but it's a different thing because that was all done kind of out in public. Everybody knew about it at that point, right? So they're not the same thing. And it's kind of like the classified documents with Trump and Biden and Pence. It's different with Biden and with Pence because they willingly came forth when they realized that they had classified documents and they shouldn't have had them. 
and they took the proper steps to see that those documents were returned to the powers that be that are supposed to have those documents. Trump, on the other hand, didn't turn them in, didn't respond when he was asked about the documents. If he had, he could have said, oh my gosh, oopsies, my bad. I don't, I didn't realize that I had this stuff, uh, but let me get it together and, and you guys can come and get it. I'm real sorry about that. And they could have come and got the documents. It probably would have been a story for a day or two and that would have been it. But he moved them around and he lied about it and said they were declassified when it didn't matter and that they were his and, you know, come on. Not the same thing. Not the same thing at all. Two of the people involved cooperated. That would be Biden and Pence. And one of them tried to conceal and was not cooperative. And that was Trump. And that is why he is in trouble because he didn't cooperate and he lied and said everything had been returned and they hadn't been returned. So, you know, give me a break. But uh, his um, excusers out there, the, the people that are coming up with one excuse after another for him, Jim, jo Jim Jordan is one of the worst. And of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene's out there trying to find dirt on anybody else that's on the other side of the aisle as a way to deflect from what's going on on the circus side of the aisle, which is the right side. But yeah, none of them seem to have a problem with the fact that once again, Trump lied to them. They're just going to let that go. And it's just, <laughs> it's a circus. It's a circus, and we've got a bunch of clowns in the Republican Party putting on a show for their supporters and for Trump because a lot of the things that they say and do are directed at him specifically. So if you question whether they're really working for we the people or not, the answer to that is no, they most certainly are not. There has been another little setback for Donald Trump this, uh, this last week. Apparently, when Stormy Daniels was initially searching for an attorney. Now, I don't know if this is before she found Michael Avenatti, which you may recall, seemed like a pretty slick guy, and I think he was a lot slicker than people thought, but he wasn't quite slick enough because he got caught, and he's now in prison, by the way. But apparently, um, there were some communications between Stormy Daniels and an attorney by the name of Joe Tacopina. That's T-A-C-O-P-I-N-A. And it just so happens that Joe Tacopina is one of Donald Trump's attorneys right now. And he communicated with Stormy Daniels some time back before he was Trump's attorney. And... Uh, these, I think it was mostly email exchanges, but they date back to 2018 when Daniels was looking for an attorney. And that kind of raises the possibility that there could be a, uh, I guess you could say a conflict of interest because he's actually had uh, communications with both of the clients. So um, he might not be able to continue to represent Trump in this particular case because he might have knowledge of something that he's not entitled to. It's kind of hard to, hard to say, but uh, there's definitely a possibility that, that Tacopina might have to be kind of put on the back burner and put on hold. 
So that's another little issue that um, needs to be kind of put in Trump's column. And there's something that's even worse, and this is something I kind of think that maybe has fallen off of the radar a little bit. Um, there is, there's been a case before a judge by the name of Beryl Howell, who is, I believe, retired now. And on her very last day on the bench, she made a ruling that is probably not going to be good for Trump. She told uh, Trump's lawyer, a guy by the name of Evan Corcoran, that uh, he needed to produce handwritten notes, invoices, and transcriptions of personal audio recordings that apparently exist between him and Trump, and who knows. But... Um, <laughs> The thing that, that's, that's really uh, important about this is it doesn't really matter who he recorded. The judge found that these recorded conversations are evidence. And they are evidence of what she referred to as Trump's, quote, criminal scheme, end quote. Which is a pretty powerful statement for a judge to make, and it would indicate that she's aware that some of this evidence that uh, Corcoran has is very important in, in this case. So ultimately what this does is it frees up Corcoran, who now is having to consider that he might be potentially liable for criminal actions when he uh, apparently, allegedly, <laughs> wrote a statement last year that falsely said Trump had already returned all of the requested documents to the DOJ. This is on the uh, top secret stuff that he had at Mar-a-Lago and wherever else the heck he had. And um, it's going to require him to spill the beans about his conversations with Trump. And this crime fraud exception... Um, is not something that is invoked by a judge frequently. And basically what the, what the crime fraud exception is, is it's a, it's, a, it's a law that says client attorney privilege is not applicable if it is being exerted or asserted in order to withhold evidence that would make your client possibly look guilty or more guilty. Uh, so when it's a criminal thing and it's involving fraud, the client attorney privilege is no longer applicable. So that means he needs to turn over everything he basically has regarding Trump, which is probably not going to be good for Trump. Now, Corcoran, of course, can, I guess, just plead the fifth um, because he looks like he could open himself up for some criminal liability in this as well. So it puts Corcoran in a very difficult situation. And Trump has a lot of, of trouble with his attorneys. He has had some good attorneys in the past that have represented him. And Trump doesn't like to pay his bills, which is yet another reason why I don't understand how the conservative right-wing Republican voters can stand by Trump because they tend to look at people who don't pay their bills as deadbeats. You're a deadbeat if you have to have um, 
assistance from the government for shelter or you know for housing or for food or or whatever you're a deadbeat but again with trump they're willing to make an exception because trump's always been a deadbeat he doesn't like to pay his bills his company bills either so and there's thousands and thousands of cases i believe uh, going back decades where people have had to sue Trump's companies in order to get paid, even though they have a signed contract agreeing to specific terms and, and payments, and he doesn't want to do it. And a lot of times he does the same thing with them that he's been doing with uh, the Department of Justice and everybody else, and that's just delay, 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 drag it out in court as long as you possibly can. And I hope that these judges have caught on to this and they're not going to allow him to sideline a bunch of this stuff. I did see that the judge up in uh, New York State on the civil case where the Trump organization has uh, is being sued for $250 million, uh, that's Letitia James' case, that is a civil case. It's not a criminal case. It's a civil case. And in that case, I believe that's the one that Trump um, pled the fifth like 400 times during his, his interview, during his testimony. And in a civil case, when you plead the fifth, the judge can instruct the jury to basically assume that there's something to hide in a, in, a, in a civil case. When you plead the fifth, uh, you, the jury can make the assumption that if the information had been given, it would have been bad for the defendant. So that doesn't look good for Trump. And he was trying to delay that case as well. And of course, those are different attorneys. And it's scheduled for October of this year. They wanted to delay it for six months, which would have been, let's see, November, December, January, February, March, April. And they would have been able to say, oh, my gosh, he's running for president. Oh, whoops. Hey, you know, we can't go to court. He, he's a presidential candidate. This is going to have to wait until after the election. And if he gets to be the president, guess what? You can take this lawsuit and shove it up your, you know what? Yeah, I think they're on to his tricks because the judge in that case with Letitia James and the $250 million um, lawsuit uh, said, no way we're delaying this. It's going to happen, period. No exceptions. <laughs> and that's that. So Trump has had lots of bad news lately when it comes to his... Uh, legal issues. And my gosh, that doesn't include any of the legal issues in Georgia or <laughs> there's other lawsuits that are pending against him as well. So not a great week for Trump. And I have to say, if it's not a good week for Donald, it's probably good for the country and the majority of the American people who I am now referring to as the exhausted majority. Somebody posted that on Twitter. Oh, it was, uh, um, who was that? It was uh, Schmidt, the guy that was the campaign guy for um, the Republican for um, McCain and Sarah Palin. Is his name Steve Schmidt? Gosh, I can't remember now. I should have written that down. I could, If I weren't trying to come up with his name, I could have told you. Anyway, he referred to uh, the folks who are <laughs> the majority that are not supporting Trump as the exhausted majority. And I think that that is, is perfect because we're definitely exhausted and we're definitely the majority. The majority of the American people do not support Donald Trump or his shenanigans, and they do not support the Republican Party. And the only reason that the Republican Party has the seats that it has is because of the electoral college system, which has been gerrymandered to death 
by the Republicans. And even when a judge tells them this is gerrymandered, it cannot stay, they don't, and they're ordered to change it. They don't do it. That's what happened in Ohio. And the same thing happened in New York with the Democrats. They had gerrymandered a district in New York, and the judge said, no, you can't do this. you got to fix it. And the Democrats actually fixed it because that's what they're supposed to do because they do respect the law. The Republicans, on the other hand, did not. And by the way, the gerrymandered district that had to be undone in New York gave us George Santos, who is a big liar. So... Tell me again that the Republican Party is the party of law and order because I think that they are a bunch of crooks and I think they're basically the American mafia now. I should add that while Trump is having a difficult time with attorneys and Stormy Daniels, of course, has had trouble with attorneys as well because <laughs> Michael Avenatti turned out to not be such a he looked like he was going to be great in the beginning, but uh, apparently was not honest and, as I said, is in prison. But Stormy Daniels does have representation now. Uh, her current attorney is a guy by the name of Clark Brewster, and he practices law out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So Stormy went to Tulsa to find an attorney, and I think he's been her attorney for the last couple of years and he'll be the one that's representing her in this uh, lawsuit against Trump. Recently, in previous episodes, I've been talking about how the Republicans in Georgia are rewriting legislation that will allow them to form a commission or a committee made up of Republicans, because they're the majority, who can oversee the activities of prosecutors in the state of Georgia. And if for some reason they decide that a particular prosecutor, for instance, Bonnie Willis, who is prosecuting Trump and his, or she's, I should say, investigating Trump's interference in the 2020 Georgia election. They decide that they think she's out of line. They theoretically, once this law passes, and it's my understanding it's on its way to the governor's desk, and he's indicated that he's going to sign it because he's corrupt. He's, he's Kemp. He's the guy that uh, was Secretary of State and oversaw his own presidential or uh, his own uh, governor, uh, gubernatorial election, which kind of seems like a conflict of interest. I know that he was uh, asked to step down and uh, he didn't. So and he won the governorship, and he did remove a whole bunch of people from the voter rolls. And it was discovered that a lot of them were eligible to vote and were not able to vote in that election because he had removed them from the rolls. So he's, a, he's corrupt. He's not honest. So he will likely sign this. And... I just don't think that there's a whole lot of conversation to be had about why this is being done. I think it's being done to protect Donald Trump. And it's pretty bad when you rewrite legislation to protect someone in your own party because they're a crook. That says a lot about the party in general, right? But... When it comes to ethics and rules and regulations and policies and things like that in government, I think that the whole system needs to be overhauled. Because, for instance, let's start with the nation's top court. 
the Supreme Court of the United States. They don't really have any written specific ethics rules that they have to follow. The theory, apparently, was that because these people sitting on the bench of the nation's highest court have achieved a level of knowledge and a level of integrity and morals and values that having written policies on ethics really aren't required. Because after all, (laughs) how could they be unethical or dishonest and be on the nation's highest court? Well, (laughs) that question comes to mind when you consider the fact that one of the justices has a wife who is very involved in extreme right-wing politics. And I believe she's even affiliated with a right-wing think tank or two. And it appears that she was involved uh, to some degree, we're not certain how much, with the January 6th insurrection. And when there was a case before the Supreme Court regarding the January 6th insurrection and all of that, Justice Thomas was the only one who voted against this case that could have involved his wife. Nobody at the time, I guess, knew that his wife, Jenny Thomas, was involved with the January 6th stuff, but his vote was the only no vote. Everybody else on the Supreme Court voted yay. And then we find out that his wife was involved, and that kind of puts his honesty in question, doesn't it? Because you would expect a justice being presented (laughs) some sort of a case that would involve a family member, especially an immediate family member like a spouse, to say, uh, you know what, (laughs) I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to recuse myself on this because this involves my wife. So I'm out. See ya. But he didn't. And of course, we have a couple of justices on the court that apparently were not really honest with the Senate during their hearings after they had been nominated for a Supreme Court opening. And that's concerning. Very concerning. So it seems like we do need to have some ethics rules put in place. And Congress can do that. The Constitution allows the Congress of the United States to enforce rules and regulations and policies on the Supreme Court. So they need to do it. Of course, the problem is we have so many corrupt politicians in Congress right now who are not doing their job. They are not keeping their oath of office and they cannot be trusted and they will never allow anything like that to go through, which is why we have to vote the bums out of office. Every one of them, get them out of there and let's get some stuff fixed. And while we're at it, Should we allow the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate to make their own rules and enforce their own ethics policies? Seems to me that there needs to be an impartial or bipartisan committee to look at some of this stuff and say, you know what, 
this looks a lot like insider trading because members of the House and members of the Senate are privy to legislation that may or may not pass that will have a great deal of impact on certain industries or certain companies. And if you happen to own stock, or if you don't own stock, but you know that the stock is probably going to go up and now would be a good time to buy and you buy it, that's insider trading. And that's illegal for most people. Martha Stewart went to jail, went to prison over that. But Nancy Pelosi, you just say it's free market. No, it's not free market because you have information that the general public does not have. That makes you an insider. So we need to have something set up where Congress can't just regulate and police itself. Um, we have an ethics committee right now in the U.S. House of Representatives, which is basically controlled by Republicans. And in that ethics committee right now are a couple of complaints against Republicans who are now chairing committees in the House. Do we really expect that we're going to get a faithful, honest evaluation of the situation from these Republicans? <laughs> these are Republicans who are attempting to cover up a failed coup of the United States. That's treason. You know, the United States has put people to death for treason. It's death penalty. And we've got a bunch of people in Congress that could very well get drug into something like that. Should they really be trusted with oversight of themselves? <laughs> we have committees where the chair is doing an investigation on the people who are investigating the chair's actions during the previous Congress. <laughs> Seriously, really? What says conflict of interest about that? Everything does. Everything says conflict of interest. So I think we need to take a look at some of these things. I don't know how we would ever get any of these things passed with Republicans because they are so corrupt. <sighs> they have just fallen off the, the planet, truly. When it comes to honesty and values and morals, I would have to say <laughs> the majority of the Republicans holding office today are corrupt and dishonest and can't be trusted. And I don't care if they call themselves Christians or, or whatever. As long as we have Republicans spending time in their state legislatures, passing laws to protect children from drag queens. Meanwhile, every single day in this country, children are shot and injured and or killed by guns. Number one cause of death of children in the United States up to the age of 18 or 19 is guns, and they're not doing a darn thing about it. They're trying to protect children from drag queens. How many drag queens have killed children in the last year, or the last five years, or the last 10 years, or, or ever? Does it seem like their priorities are really screwed up? It does to me. Meanwhile, they're lowering the regulations for child labor because business needs cheap slave labor. And, you know, they can't just go out and have slaves anymore. Although I think that they would probably love to do that if they thought they could get away with it. But children are the next best thing. How is that protecting children? They're going to be cleaning up slaughterhouses? Really? 
You want your 14-year-old kid to clean up a slaughterhouse? Or your 16 or 17-year-old kid? Really? A 13-year-old girl marrying a 40 or 50-year-old man, that okay? Because there are states that want that. There are Republicans trying to make that happen. They don't want any age limits. Really? Is a 13, 14, 15-year-old child prepared to make a decision about whether or not they should get married? Of course, that kid, if they get raped and get pregnant, well, let's just force them to have the kid and get married. And it's all taken care of, right? And then after, after the little girl pops the baby out, when she's not changing diapers or feeding it, she can go to work at the slaughterhouse. But by gosh, don't let her read To Kill a Mockingbird. Got to take that off the library shelves. And she can't go to any drag shows because that's dangerous to her. The hypocrisy, folks, is mind-numbing. So, yes, sign me up as a member of the exhausted majority because I am exhausted having to talk about and deal with the craziness coming out of the Republican Party these days. It is insane, and it's made our country the laughingstock of the world. And yeah, we're weaker because of it. Because these other countries know that we've got a bunch of nutbags in Congress and in different states around the country doing stupid, crazy, insane things that are dividing the country and distracting us from the fact that they have people in their party who tried to overthrow our government a little over two years ago. That is the bottom line. And I'm going to let you go. The next podcast for Federal Andy is scheduled for tomorrow, maybe late tomorrow. I'm not sure. Got a lot going on. If not, I'll have an episode out on Friday. Thanks for your time, and I hope you have a good evening and afternoon, unless you have other plans. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm-hmm.